Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. Ross labels seven things as prima facie duties. We've got fancy terms. What are these, these things? Probably have to put them into our own words. Some of them. Some of them we don't, like, you know, for instance, gratitude, right? You understand what that term means, don't you? What are other duties that we have? Broad strokes, things that we can identify. He talks about, you know, fidelity. And what other ones? Yeah. Justice. Mm-hmm. What are you guys engaged in in this class? There's a duty that you're actually fulfilling, not to me, but a duty that you have to yourself. Because you actually owe stuff to yourself. We don't often think about it this way. But you actually have a duty, he says, of self-improvement. And then he has these others like beneficence and a nice long, hard to uh, remember one. Non mal. That sounds very, very legalistic, doesn't it? We don't talk that way, do we? We have to do a little bit of translation. Gratitude, okay, that makes sense. You guys don't have to translate that into anything else. Fidelity, what does it mean to be faithful? What does it mean to exhibit fidelity towards another person? Yeah. Loyalty is a key part of it. Uh, I think that's probably the term we'd associate with it most. Truthfulness, which you guys have often identified as a good character trait, would also fall under fidelity. He talks about promises. If you make a promise, then you ought to keep it. That's part of being faithful. I guess we might consider that loyalty, promise keeping. Being reliable, maybe, in a certain broader sense. What about reparation? We, we usually think of this like in terms of you know political things that people are talking about. you got to make reparations for this or for that. He's talking about personal things. So what are, what are reparations in personal life? You ever do anything wrong? Uh, all you have. What do you need to do after you've done something wrong? Just brush it off and say, eh, no, no, harm, no harm, no foul. See you later. Better luck next time. You have to make it up for it. Okay, that's, that's probably how we put it. Making up for it or making it right, we often say, right? So, and that could cover a lot of different things, right? What are, what are typical acts that we, what's the most basic act? that people oftentimes are satisfied with. An apology, right. Actually saying, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. It ended up hurting you or damaging your property or your interests or letting you down. Reparation is something we have to do when we have not fulfilled another duty, generally. I'm sorry I lied to you. I'm sorry I didn't follow through on my obligation to do this at this time. I was supposed to give you a ride, but I didn't show up. All those sort of things. You know, those would be things we'd apologize for. What else might a person do to, to show? Uh, for, for Ross, it's very important that you show rather than just merely feel a sense of wanting to put things right. A monetary restitution in some cases. Yeah, you break somebody's window. Maybe you buy them a new window. Maybe you put it in for them. Maybe there's some sort of swap. Take them to a ball game. Ball broke their window. That might be kind of fitting, right? Sometimes you, you can't actually fix the thing and you can't pay for it, so you find something else nice that you could do in return. It could be a gesture, 
Sometimes a person might be bringing flowers home because they really love their spouse. Sometimes they might be sending flowers or bringing flowers because they screwed up, right? And they need to fix it. And that gesture of sending flowers is not just a way of saying, I'm sorry, it's a way of trying to make things right. might not actually be adequate, but, but you, you get the idea, right? We'll come back to justice in a moment because I want to talk about that a bit more. Let's think about self-improvement now. Why do you have a duty of self-improvement? Do you actually feel that you have a, a duty to not just you know take care of yourself, get yourself three square meals a day, a minimal amount of exercise, keep yourself, you know, your body clean so you don't get sick? Do you feel that you actually have an obligation, and not an obligation to other people, but an obligation to yourself to take what it is that you've been given and to make a bit more of it? Maybe in terms of becoming a better person, in terms of what Ross calls virtue, or maybe in terms of intellectual development, learning more. I think most of you feel that, or else you wouldn't be here at Marist. Do you? Put aside what your parents' expectations are. Put aside other people's expectations of you. Put aside the, the, maybe the pressure that you get from your professors, you know, that sort of thing, that you should, you should be this kind of student or all that. Do you feel like you want to make something of yourself, something more? And once you, you know, it's not to deny what you've done in the past, but is it okay just to sort of rest on your laurels? Or should you be continuously striving to do a little bit more? Or is there a point where you can say, ah, satisfied my obligations to cultivate myself, now it's the easy street for me. Once you actually start doing self-improvement, you realize how much more you actually need to do. And I think Ross is right. Now, notice it's not self-improvement in terms of I need to get myself more pleasure. We already have an instinct for that, right? As a matter of fact, sometimes we have to struggle against that instinct if we want to engage in self-improvement. And why do you have a duty of self-improvement? Again, put aside everybody else's expectations on you. You know why? Because you're worth something. Because you are, as a person, valuable. And the only person who really has control over whether you're going to improve or not, for the most part, in this point of your life, is you. You get to decide the course of, of your life. Are you going to improve merely in your major? Which, by itself, not knocking it, that's a great thing right there. That's intellectual improvement. Studying accounting is a great thing to do. You're acquiring a valuable skill that other people will, will want to pay you for and in which you can take legitimate pride for having acquired it. You acquire certain habits of mind. Business requires, uh, and you actually, you know, accounting very close to business, but business, say marketing or something like that, different principles at work. If you can wrap your head around those and make that part of who you are, you have improved yourself. You have improved the stock with which you, you came into the world, the intellectual stock that you have at your disposal. And that's not just valuable because somebody else wants to pay you for it. It's valuable because you are yourself worth cultivating. You know, it doesn't necessarily even have to be, I would say, Ross probably wouldn't talk about, you know, exercise and sport as, as necessarily being um, self-improvement. But I, I would see those things, you know, learning a new skill, say, learning how to cross-country ski. It's a good thing. That's, in some ways, self-improvement. Beneficence and non-malfeasance. So beneficence is doing good to other people. Do you have a duty to improve other people's lives? Ross thinks that you do. Do you feel that you, you have that duty or, or do you say, screw everybody else, 
So long as I don't hurt them, everything's okay. Let me put it to you this way. Do you feel that there are some people in your life who you have duties to make happy, to make their life better? Maybe even in small ways. Maybe not, you know, United States citizens as a whole, or even your neighbors. A lot of us don't know our neighbors. We're your dorm mates. What about your family and your friends? Do you feel yourself under a kind of obligation or duty to improve their, their existence in some way? Isn't that intrinsic to the very notion of friendship? They're the people who you actually choose to make happy. That's how you can tell friends from frenemies, right? What are frenemies do? They aggravate each other. Real friends try to make each other happier. Is it possible for you to make other people happy who you don't necessarily even know? Think about walking around on campus. There's small things that you can do, little gestures. What would be an example? Oh, you can like hold the door open. You know, it's like very little. But... Yeah, courtesy. I think, you know, some people would want to say courtesy is about, you know, fidelity, that we've got this whole system of rules and all that. Holding the door open for somebody who's got a bunch of stuff in their arms, yeah, that's a nice thing to do. And you're making, it's a, you're right, it's a small thing, but it contributes. It's not the same thing as like writing out a, a check for a million dollars and mailing it off to a charity. But it, it's, it's something, and we shouldn't overlook the small things. Because again, duty is personal, and it's what we as individuals can do. It matters. Uh, Non-malfeasance means not doing harm. Beneficence is doing good to somebody, right? Bene, good. Mal means bad. So malfeasance is doing harm to somebody. And we not only have a, a positive obligation to help other people out, to do to improve their lives in some way, and it could it could be improving their lives with pleasure, it could be improving their lives intellectually, it could be improving their lives by contributing to their character development. We also have an obligation not to hurt them. Not to do things that are going to screw things up for, for them. I would say not inconveniencing people unduly would fit into this. Not making ourselves you know, the center of existence and thereby putting everybody else out. Bless you. Certainly not being cruel. We have an obligation not to be cruel. And don't we sometimes every once in a while feel like being cruel? I know I do. Still. Stupid. You know, I'm 42 years old and I should have long gotten past that. But, you know, human beings, we're animals. These, these dumb instincts in us. Well, you got to rein that stuff in, according to Ross. We have tendencies that we, we need to keep our, our eyes on. Uh, the one that I put off talking about, and which we should come back to, is justice. Now, Ross says that justice is a little bit more qualified than what we normally think about when we talk about justice. And when we talk about justice in ordinary life, Quite often, we are talking about things like paying people back for what you know, what harm they've encountered, or things like that. Ross says, "Well, that actually falls under reparation. That's that's not what he means by justice, or holding people to the obligations they made. Like think about contracts. If you make a contract with a person, you're obligated, right? But a contract is really much more a matter of fidelity." So what is justice? What are other parts of justice? How about the way in which you distribute things? So here's a really easy one to wrap your head around. How many of you, when you were kids, either in your own house or in other houses, saw some kids getting favored? None? Only a few of you? That seems highly unlikely to me, that all of your parents were scrupulously fair. Nobody ever got more affection, more attention. 
than the other kids, maybe you don't want to remember that. <laughs> maybe it's too painful to think about. Or maybe you don't want to remember it because you're the one who actually got over on it and you don't want to admit to it. But it happens, doesn't it? Where else does that sort of thing happen? They happen in classrooms? Yeah? See, that ever happened in not just, you know, kindergarten, you know, the teacher's pet or something like that, but all the way through college, you think it's going to happen in the workplace? There it's going to be not just, you know, affection and attention. It'll be opportunities and responsibilities. Now, if you're a just person, you recognize the obligation to apportion these things fairly. It doesn't necessarily mean equally. You know, the person who has greater capacities maybe should be given more responsibilities, right, in the workplace. The person who's a better organizer, you know, and manager, maybe they're the ones who should be promoted to managerial positions. But what it's saying is everybody should get more or less proportionate or equal shot at things. If you're dealing with a household, going back to the favoritism thing, is it okay to, to love one kid and not to love the other two kids? There's something really wrong with that, isn't there? And that's not just you know, a failure in some of these things. That's a failure in terms of justice. We recognize that. We have a sense for this kind of thing. And we don't necessarily need a moral theory to get that sense about it. The other one we didn't talk about, because we already you know, have a word for it, gratitude. When should you be grateful? And by be grateful, he doesn't mean feel grateful. He means act gratefully. What are things that you do to, to show people that you're grateful? Say thank you. That's a big one right there, right? If you never say thank you to people, you're going to be an isolated person, right? Because everybody's helping you out all the time, whether you realize it or not. There's nobody who's a totally self-made person. And it's appropriate to show gratitude for that. What else do we do sometimes to show gratitude? Anything else that you guys do? Your ordinary life happens. Like return time. Return kindness. Uh, yeah. And it could be something quite different than what they did. Yeah, uh, and it's, sometimes it's proportionate. Somebody who's rich, you know, who helps out somebody who's poor, the poor person is not under an obligation to, like, you know, match exactly what, what the rich person provided. You might not be able to do that. But if you if you can, if you're roughly the same, then you should try to help them out, you know. I mean, I'll think about things as, as simple as you go to the bar. Somebody buys you a drink, you should say thank you, and then the next time around, right? Or, you know, with meals. That's why we don't like people who don't pick up the checks. And you guys are going to get to know this more and more and more as you start having business lunches and dinners and things like that. You know, if somebody helps you out, you should help them out in return. You should show that you're actually grateful to them. Now, all of these are created by particular situations that we're in. Like he says... Gratitude, what is the situation? It rests on a previous act by another person, uh, service or benefit to oneself. That's a very theoretical way of putting it. Duties of justice, they rest on the possible distribution of pleasure or happiness or the means to these according to the merit of persons. Duties of fidelity rest on one's promise or implicit promise. And if, you know, some implicit promises would be you know, when we use communication, verbal communication, we should generally tell the truth. We should generally say the way that things are. Reparation rests on a previous wrongful act by oneself. Self-improvement rests on the fact that you can improve your own case in terms of virtue or intelligence. Non-malfeasance rests on the vulnerability. He doesn't use this term, but that's a good term to think about. The vulnerability that we have to each other as beings not just physical beings, but also psychological beings. It's very easy to, 
to harm another person, particularly if you set your mind to it, you know. Even people who think that they, they can't be harmed are pretty easy to harm. And then finally, duties of beneficence rest on the existence of other beings whose existence we can make better. And all of these are situations in which we find ourselves all the time, aren't they? Because of the network of relationships within which you live and within which you will live for the rest of your life, most likely. And now notice, you know, we don't feel these sorts of obligations to things like our, our phones, do we? It would be weird if we did. Suppose if you have Siri, you're grateful to Siri for finding you the restaurant or something like that. But really, who should you be grateful to? The designers who created this, the person who got it for you. Pick some somebody else, some person, right? These are these are duties that we have towards ourselves and towards towards other people, and they're always um, within certain contexts. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.